Hey, Oasis family, good to see you online again. I'm so encouraged by the faithfulness and the faith of our uh, community, whether you're online or in person, uh, even your just generosity. I found out this week that over the last several weeks, we've actually had almost 50 people begin their journey in giving, be a first-time giver to what God is doing here in this family. And so I, I really want to encourage you, if you've never got a chance to bless uh, the church that's blessed you, uh, begin a journey of giving. Just commit to a, a small amount every month, or some of us, by faith, commit to tithing 10% of the income God blesses us with. But together, we're doing some awesome things in our community. Uh, we are really ramping up. There's some uh, things that I really believe that God has put on our church to help the city of Los Angeles. And so continue your faithfulness in this area. I believe God will bless you. I know he will. Uh, He's done that in my life and I wanna see the same things happen uh, for you. And we've been in this series, Family Values. And last week was a special one to me because I really felt like with all the darkness going on in the world that the church needs to understand that it is the light of the world. Jesus first said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, the church is the light of the world. And so I implore you, I love that word, to go back and watch watch any sermon from this particular series you missed because we are in um, uh, family values, but we've been on several weeks. We worship as a family, which is the greatest value any family of God can have. And so if you are new watching for the very first time, um, we've gone through the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And as we get into these messages and the revelation that comes, the first week was on the gate. We spent a couple of weeks on the courtyard where the brazen altar uh, was, where the sacrifices would be made. That brazen altar would represent the cross and then the priest would wash their hands and the brass laver representing the cleansing that Christ wants to do to prepare us for our purpose and service of him. But in all of that, I realized we can maybe go, hey, what does this have to do with worship? Like, what does this have to do with worship? Because I think some of us think that worship is music and worship involves music, but worship is not music. Worship is an actual lifestyle. It says in Romans 12 that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. So it's the ways that we sacrifice for our faith that makes it worship. It says this is true and proper worship. So yes, when you praise God, you're worshiping. Yes, when you allow God to cleanse you of impurity so you can serve him, you're worshiping. We can worship God with our character. We can worship God with our choices. We can worship God when we choose not to be offended because we know that God is never offended with our sin. He wants to remove it out of love. So we can worship God with so many different areas. And I want you to make sure you understand this as we progress deeper in the tabernacle, that worship is not the first 20 minutes of a church service. Worship is the maturity and lifestyle of a believer honoring God. Now, as we go through this, we, uh, last week we did the candlestick, which represents the light of the world. And this week we are on the table of showbread. It was literally a table inside the Holy of Holies that had 12 uh, flat loaves of bread on it amongst some other things. And one of the things that I noticed when I was preparing for this particular sermon, and I hope you got a chance to watch the candlestick sermon last week of about being the light of the world, because if you haven't, this will um, not make as much sense, but I'll try to explain it as much as possible. But the very uh, first week, we talked about entering his gate with thanksgiving and his court with praise. And later on in in the, the, the gospels, Jesus would say, I am the gate. So it's interesting how everything starts with Jesus. You can't get into worship and you're not following Jesus. You cannot worship God without following Jesus. So Jesus says, I'm the only way 
to the Father. So when he says, I am the gate, he is the gate. And then these people would walk into the courtyard, again, doing a little recap. So this, uh, uh, I am not losing anyone here. They would then bring their animal to the uh, the brazen altar and that animal, uh, the priest would lay its hands on the animal and the person bringing the animal, representing transferring the sin from the person to the perfect spotless animal. And does that sound familiar? That brazen altar would mean the cross. So even though Jesus is the gate, Jesus is still on the cross. It represents that as you progress in worship, you are understanding what Christ has done. So you're praising God in the courtyard. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Why? Because Jesus is the only way you got into the presence of God. And Jesus is the only way you can stay in the presence of God because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for uh, our sins. Come on, somebody praise God that their sins have been removed because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Now, here's what I noticed in this Bible study. In the courtyard, in the tabernacle, from the gate progressing into the Holy of Holies, where we've been last week and where we will be today, they are praising Jesus in the courtyard. This is worship, worship and praise. They're praising God for what he has done. Jesus gave us access to the Father. He is the gate. Praise God. And then they would be at the brazen altar, which represents the cross. We praise Jesus because he laid his life down for you and I. Without that, we would still be in sin. But Jesus became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And then the priest would wash his hands in water, representing the spirit of God and the word of God. And, and Jesus does that too. Man, what he did for us, he, be, he was the word that became flesh. And without that, we could not be clean and prepared for purpose. So these are amazing things that Christ has done. And he is worthy of our praise for doing those things. But what I recognized as we talked about the candlestick last week and the table of showbread this week is that Jesus never said, I am the cross. Jesus said, I am the gate, but he never said, I am the cross. He died on the cross. But now we're getting into passages of scripture where it's the candlestick and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And as I did this study on the table of showbread, remember this table had 12 loaves of bread. Jesus said in scripture, I am the bread of life. So as we progress into the tabernacle, as we progress deeper into worship, we move from praising God for what he's done to worshiping him for who he is. So the progression in worship, you got to get this through the tabernacle. This is the only message you watch. The reason why we are studying the tabernacle is because we are learning how to move from praising God for what he's done to, worship, to worshiping God for who he is. We all understand the things that God has done for us. And as believers, whether you're new to faith or not, we probably all have something we want God to do. Everybody got something we want God to do? And that's all we focus on sometimes. But true worship is not just I want God to do something. I have an intimate relationship. I know who he is. He's my source. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's a good shepherd. I'm worshiping him for who he is. I have intimate knowledge. My wife can do things for me and I can go, 
hey, God, hey, uh, honey, you've done a lot for me, but, but I want to know my wife and know her intimately. And that is the point. We don't just stop at asking our wife to do things for us or asking our husband or asking our friends. Some of our best friends in the world are people that we know intimately. And so this progression into the, the tabernacle is a progression in knowing God. And you cannot worship a God you do not know. Does, is everybody tracking with me? This is so important that, that it's not lift your hands. No, know God and you'll worship him. And so many times we don't preach on who Jesus is and we bypass that and we just ask people to do it. Lift your hands. Come on, give God a shout of praise. If you knew all that God had done for you, you knew God intimately, you would be shouting praises all the time. And so this is a progression for the believer and this progression lands us at the table of showbread. How about that? Uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, recap. Oh, recap was fire. It was unbelievable. It wasn't, it wasn't just good. It was unbelievable. Now you're not lost. The table of showbread. We're going to read from Exodus 25 verses 23 through 30, where it says, God gives the command for this particular table. Make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold molding around it. Also make around it a rim, a hand breadth wide, and put a gold molding on the rim. Make four gold rings for the table and fasten them to the four corners where the four legs are. The rings are to be close to the rim to hold the poles used in carrying the table. Make the poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold and carry the table with them. And make its plates and dishes of pure gold, as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of offerings. Put the bread of the presence. I love that it's called that as well. The bread of the presence, representing the presence of the God on this table to be before me at all times. Other terminology for this bread was the bread of the face, literally the presence of God uh, shining upon you. It's important that you understand that the priest would uh, lay this bread out. This bread was to be set out continually before the Lord, and no one was allowed to eat this bread except the priest. No, the priest. no one was allowed to partake of this bread. Uh, you would later understand in Scripture that God calls us all to be priests so we can partake of this bread together. And I, and I think if we're not careful, we think that we're talking about communion. And I thought we were talking about communion, which is why I almost scheduled communion today. But as I did a Bible study, this particular verse can involve communion, but this really wasn't what it was about. It wasn't about remembering what Christ had done in the tabernacle because Christ hadn't done that thing yet. When we celebrate communion, we are take partaking of his body because he died for us, but in the tabernacle, they weren't eating that bread because of uh, what Christ had done for them. They didn't have that revelation yet. They were allowed to eat the bread, particularly on the Sabbath. Now, this is important because we're going to learn later that Jesus said he is the bread of life. So they're consuming literally what represents Jesus on the Sabbath. And it made me think that there is no way we can really take in who our God is and really know our God when we're busy. I believe that God has addict or excuse me, the enemy has addicted people to busy. We don't know how to take a break and take Jesus in. I find it interesting that the only day they were allowed to eat, consume the bread of the presence was when they were not working. 
How many of us, the moment our alarm clock goes off, we are moving and shaking and we don't rest at all until we just collapse? So anybody fall asleep to their laptop open and to their emails or you fall asleep to working and it's like, we actually create like hashtags, team no sleep. This badges of honor for not getting any rest at all. And, and a church can rise up about um, uh, different things that we feel to be worse, like, like sins of, of drinking and, and drugs and, and murder and all these things are horrific. But God said in his commandment, thou shalt take a Sabbath. He commanded his people to rest and we're all comfortable f- with that. If I told you, hey man, I, I, I smoked some crack and killed somebody, you'd be like, <gasps> Pastor Julian, are you okay? But if I told you I work 14 days straight, some of y'all might be like, yeah, I get it. You know, you got to get after it. Secure the bag. We got all these things in culture that make us comfortable without taking a rest. And God commanded rest. And matter of fact, watch this. This is so profound. The very first thing ever called holy in the Bible is time. God said, take some time, a Sabbath day, and it shall be holy. So you can't have a holy person who does not have holy time. The issue with most people struggling with being holy, don't ever be afraid of being holy. Being holy is not God saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. Being holy can happen when there's holy time. So if you had holy a holy five minutes a day, a holy day, where all that day was about was communing with God and being with your family, then eventually that holiness that you are separating on that time has the power and ability to make it into other, other areas of your life. Hopefully, if you set apart Sunday as holy, maybe the idea is one day that you could set apart Monday to be holy and it would spread its way through the rest of your life. I've never met a holy person that has no holy time where it's just about you and Jesus. Um, our friends... Uh, Kyle and Macy and uh, some staff on our team have had this app uh, called the Space App. And I thought it was so cool, but yet it was so uncomfortable when I listened to it because I don't know how to be still. Like I'm the type of person that listens to worship and prays on the way to somewhere. I'll just be in my car driving, like speaking in tongues, worshiping God. And, and I was listening to this app that they, that they uh, created and I was com- uncomfortable just sitting still. Wow. I was uncomfortable just sitting there um, uh, listening, and Macy has a wonderful voice, but you know it was it was great. But I'm like, I don't want to sit here and listen to this. Like, but then I started thinking, like, man, this is powerful that we set aside this time to really be with God. And so I want to encourage you. Um, well, I'm get the space app when it drops. But number two, um, to just set aside some holy time. But the time's got to be holy. Don't worry about you being holy. This time is holy. They know Netflix, no Ozark getting in on this time. I mean, we literally will watch, binge watch o- Ozark, but we never binge pray. Oh, and, and I get it because, I mean, there's some of the acting and that is incredible. I get it. Whatever you, whatever you do is you do. But I'm saying notice what we give our time to and we don't have a time set apart as holy. And it was in this time, this holy time, that God said the priest could consume that bread. And later, Jesus would say some interesting things about this bread. It's important that you understand about bread because Jesus is our king. If he said he's the bread of life, does that make him the carb king? Huh? (laughs) I wish they could edit that in. 
That was one of the worst dad jokes ever, but I felt it, so I said it. The carb king. He said, I'm the bread of life. Now, in, in our culture or in my culture, like that wouldn't make any sense to me because if Jesus was here to me right now, he would say to me, I am the ribs of life. Ribs is one of my favorite food. Like if I had to eat one thing, anybody got a favorite food, put it in a chat. It, whatever that is, it was like that food that revolves around, like some cultures, like their meals revolve around rice or their meals revolve around Asian culture. Just, they just have, just a lot of meals have rice. Uh, black culture, a lot of meals. What a lot of black, a lot of reels have chicken. My dad made one time, one day, one week, my dad made five meals of chicken. We had fried chicken, chicken enchiladas, chicken tacos, chicken cacciatore. And one day, just, just the regular old chicken just ran through the living room. Like, we just ate a lot of chicken. So it's like, I know it sounds like a stereotype, but my dad made a lot of de- meals with chicken. So there's like these cultural dishes. So when we see the bread of life, we're like, oh, cool. The thing that gets set at the table for free before we eat. No, in Jewish culture, Meals were bread. There was one passage of scripture, I don't have time to read in Leviticus, where it said, set the bread before them and they shall have a feast in my presence. And the feast was bread. Our culture says, man, that's a tough prison. All they gave them was bread and water. No, it's like bread was like this. There wasn't a meal that did not have bread. And, and some meals, that's what you ate. And it was mixed with different spices and olive oil. So obviously it was a much healthier than than the wonder bread you might go get from the grocery store. And so bread represented sustenance. Uh, it was made with fresh grain and, and wheat. Um, you could not be gluten-free in the Jewish culture. Like it, bread was everything. And so they, they, it had a different meaning is what I'm trying to say. And this is, this is, under, this is important we understand. If we're going to worship together, we can't just only worship God for what he does. We can't only just say, hey, God, whenever you do something awesome to me, I'll give you my praise, I'll worship you. But, but, but while I'm waiting, I'll complain, I'll be impatient, I'll grumble, and I'll be upset. And then when you give it to me, I'll praise you. No, what sustains you in between what God is doing and where you're at now is worshiping him for who he is. This is so profoundly important that we understand that this bread that was in the, 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 the Holy of Holies represents who Jesus is. And they didn't know it when they were eating it, but it represents who Jesus is. And anybody who has an understanding of who Jesus is will worship him. Think about this. Uh, um, in 1 John 3, uh, verse 2, it says, Beloved, and amplified, we are, even here and now, children of God. And it is not yet made clear what we will be after his coming, the second coming of Christ. But we know that when he comes and he is revealed, we will, as children, be like him because we have seen him just as he is. So this is, this is why you change not by a pastor or religious person giving you a list of things that it takes to be a Christian. This verse literally says, as we see God who he, as he is, we will become like him. So, so worship is your body, your life is a living sacrifice to God. And it's not a list of laws to complete. The more you know about Jesus, the more Jesus is revealed to you, the more you will become like the revelation. And that's actually worship. Becoming is worship. 
Doing is ministry. Becoming is worship. And many people who find Jesus want to do more ministry than worship. They're more worried about what they're doing than who they're becoming. And I just want to tell you right now that the, the, the doing is important, but I want to ask yourself this question. If you are a part of Oasis Church over this last three years, who have you become? Because the enemy will put you, will try to move you because you're not satisfied with what you're doing. But who have you become in the last three years? Do you have community? Do you have people praying for you? Where's your faith? Your revelation about who Jesus is. As long as you are becoming, the doing is a fruit of the becoming. So you actually don't. The Bible says if you stay planted in the house of God, that you will bear fruit in every season. So don't count your apples too early. Because what it's saying is in this scripture that if we become like Jesus, we partake in the bread that is Christ, we become more like him. That's what 1 John 3, and everyone who's becoming like Jesus does things. Jesus promised, y'all gonna do more than me. And Jesus did a lot in three years. And he says, you guys are gonna do even more. Like we never think about that. We think about doing more than maybe what our daddy, Jesus said, you can do more than me. It's a powerful, powerful statement. Here's why I believe the table of showbread and the bread on this table is, is arguably the, the most important of all. I don't want to judge it, but it's most important of all. Because if you look at these last two weeks of what we talked about, where we talked about the candlestick, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And now we're talking about the table of showbread, where Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. They're talking about this. They're talking about the manna in the wilderness. They're talking about the bread that was on his table. And in the book of John, Jesus said seven I am's that define who Christ is. And the seven I am's, he said, were I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. So I want, if you break this down, And we're talking about we cannot worship God unless we understand who God is, and Jesus is God. Jesus literally describes himself. I would have a hard time describing myself with seven different things. I'm a great dad, a great husband, pretty good golfer, uh, good friend. Like, how do you pick seven things to describe yourself? If I was God, I'm like, hey, man, get a pencil, write it down. I want to tell you 100 things that make me me. But no, Jesus, I'm just going to tell you seven things. If you get these seven things right, you know Jesus. If you understand he's the bread of life, but we, this, is our next, this is our next sermon series. Because I'm here to talk about the bread. But our next series, somebody remind me I said this. Our next series is the seven things Jesus said that he was. The first thing, though, is he said I was the bread of life. This is the first thing. John 6, verse 28 through 35 say this. Uh, they, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus was out there getting it, doing it big. We see people out there on the internet just doing amazing things. If you're in ministry, you see that person posting on Instagram how many people they baptize. And, and your first inkling is go, man, we want to do that too. We see Jesus, we see what you're doing. We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you to believe in the one 
he has sent. Don't work without belief. When you are working and you're not believing, God's like, that's not work. That's busyness. Work in the kingdom is my faith is producing my work. My desires producing my work is not kingdom. My faith producing my work. So when you are working because you want something really bad, that's not kingdom work. Work, kingdom work is I'm doing it because I believe big, not because I want big. Watch this. This is so profound. He's starting them off saying, no, don't, don't believe big. Don't, don't think big. Don't desire big. Don't have big dreams. Have big faith. Big faith will lead to a big dream. Big dreams with low faith are demonic. They're about you. They're about feeling validated. He says, no, no, no. We want to do what you're doing, Jesus. No, no, no. Let me tell you the hardest thing to do if you want to do it big is to believe big. And to not be detoured by what's going on around you or choices people are making or things that people are doing. No, can you still believe big? The work is to believe in the one he has sent. And they answered um, stupidly as they always did. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave bread from heaven to eat. And they're talking about manna. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you any bread from heaven. My father did. You see how we're progressing in worship? If you want to progress in worship, never thank me for something I did. I'm being honest. The Bible says not to thank a servant. That came from God. If you received it, God used me, but it didn't come from me. And you got to be careful that we don't thank people for something God is doing. Here's, here's what's crazy. You want to thank people for their service? I get that. But they gave credit. Thank Moses. Man, thanks, Moses. You let God use you. That's enough. But they gave credit to Moses for something God was doing. He says, Moses didn't give you that bread. I did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is absolutely a profound statement that prepares you for worship. And this is gonna be difficult for some of us to understand because I think uh, many of us, we need to go back to the praise. We need to just, God, you need to do something. I'm sorry, this bread of life stuff. Go ahead and give me the job. Give me the promotion. I'll worship you. Have anybody ever made a promise like that to God? If you do this, God, I'll never leave you. Like we, we, we just, God, I need you to do something. This is deep. Jesus is saying, if you partake in Jesus, you literally take Jesus in, you'll never be hungry. And that word hungry means all of your cravings will be satisfied. So if you are worshiping Jesus in progression, now, if you're new to faith, I'm not talking about you got to be there today, but I'm talking about as you go through the gate, you understand what Christ has done and you're praising him. When you get inside the Holy of Holies and you're in that tabernacle and you're partaking of the bread, this represented a spiritual bread. 
that is Jesus, that is so powerful when you take in all that God has done and all that he is and worship Jesus, it satisfies every craving that the world. Watch this. If you are actually partaking in the bread of life, there's nothing that this earthly life has to provide for you to make you happy. Jesus becomes enough. And I think that's one of the most overstated phrases where we can just say Jesus is enough. No, we really don't believe that because we still have these cravings. Has anybody got a craving of something that they really, I just crave. There's a difference between God's calling me to be married and a craving where I just, I just feel it all the time that I don't have it. Uh, the hunger that this is describing is it, it's a lack. It's this, when you're hungry in your physical stomach, your body is telling you, you need it right now. Hunger pains are not what time is dinner. Hunger pains are, dude, I gotta get something to eat. And the devil wants to give believers spiritual hunger pains where there are things that God wants to give us, but the devil goes, no, you need that right now. Matter of fact, the temptation of Jesus is that he waited till he was physically hungry. Watch, the, the, the enemy waited until Jesus was physically hungry, caught him at a weak state and tried to speed up some of the things that God wanted to do through Jesus saying, I'll give it to you right now if you worship me. And so the enemy will give you what God wants to give you right now if you worship him. If, if you make it about the devil and you make it about what he wants, he'll give it to you right now. But it will end in destruction. And Jesus is saying, hey, y'all crave a lot of things. You want the kingdom to be restored. You want to sit next to me. You want to do this. You want to be acknowledged for for your gifts. Y'all are craving a lot of things. And let me tell you something. I am the bread of life. I am here so that you don't have this hunger for anything. And I'm realizing that sometimes at my lowest point, my cravings kick up. I crave more than anything, accomplishments and validation. Because the accomplishments leads to the, the, the validations where I want God to do something so wild, not so that it glorifies him, but so that I could feel like I'm doing something right. of some value. I don't think we put enough value in the fact that we're just like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You ever hang out with some people and like, man, you are so much like Christ. No, we never hang out with people. We, we never, no, what are you, but, but how, what are you doing? What, which, how's things going at your job? And, how, and I'm not saying that we, you know, are just gonna read our Bible and be on unemployment the rest of our life. Yeah, we're gonna do something. But I'm like, these cravings that I constantly feel of needing more and not able to be satisfied. I feel like if Jesus and one of the reasons why this season of church is so hard for us right now is for a lot of like staff leaders and people in our church, Jesus would be in our church right now so happy and we would complain to him about how unhappy we are because he's actually satisfied within himself. He has a relationship with the father. Jesus never had any place to live. <laughs> the Bible says I have nowhere to lay my head. Jesus borrowed his birthplace and his tomb. Never even had anywhere to rest his head. And he was the light of the world. And so he wasn't connecting who he was to what God was doing for him. 
He was connecting who he was to his relationship with his father and completing the will of God. And once he had a relationship with God and he completed the will, that was all Jesus needed to be fulfilled. And that's not me right now. I need God to do even more. Jesus is saying, as we progress into deeper forms of worship, our relationship with Jesus has the ability to satisfy our cravings for the world and the things the world has to offer. And yes, I believe that you, you're gonna go into you know, entertainment, business, politics to be the light of the world, but it shouldn't be a craving, it should be a calling. Wow. And there's a big difference between your cravings and your calling. And what I have found about God is that when he sees that your calling has turned into a craving, he will not give it to you and give you more of himself. God, I'm telling you, he'll do it. He literally will not give you the calling. He'll just give you more of him. And some of the people that I have been pastoring and loving on, man, they're becoming so much like Jesus. I'm so proud of them. They like their character and their heart and their ability to love people. But some of those people are the most discouraged because it's like, what about my calling? And God's, no, you made it your craving. I don't satisfy cravings. I don't. I call people. I don't satisfy cravings. If that's a craving and not a calling, you've stepped outside the bread of life. And we got to be careful because ministry can be a craving instead of a calling. Entertainment can be a craving instead of a calling. Marriage can be a craving instead of a calling. And that's why when we get into marriage and marriage was a craving, not a calling, then, it, then I can love my wife, but not like my marriage and leave my wife to get away from the marriage. I can leave a, 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 a community to, to, because I'm craving something and I want the community to satisfy my craving or my wife to satisfy my craving. I want God to satisfy my craving. And God wants to tell you and I, this is not a craving, it's a calling. There shouldn't be this thing on the inside of you that says, God, if I don't get this, then I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I can worship you. That's a craving. God's like, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. And here's what's crazy about the Lord. If he's calling us, that means he's there. Because God is eternal, he's calling you into something that he's doing. It's not go. He'll call you into it and sometimes tell you to go, sometimes tell you, but sometimes he's calling you. It's a calling. The callings of God are irrevocable. The Bible says the gifts and callings are irrevocable. Cravings come and go. So if it's a craving, it is so temporary. Who knows if you'll get it? If it's a calling, it's guaranteed. Well, how do I know if it's my craving or my calling? The thing that I feel in my spiritual stomach, if I don't have it, Am I starving? Am I hungry? Am I like, God, we got to make this happen. Let's go, team, no sleep. I don't know what I would be. I don't know if I could be happy if I didn't have this. That's a craving. Calling is like, I'm good either way. I'm good either way. Jesus, if you're here, Moses had a calling to lead the people to the promised land. And God said, guess what, Moses? You're going to the promised land, Exodus 33. And how I know that it was a calling, not a craving for Moses is the first question he asked was not how many auditions I'm going to book in the promised land. How many people are you going to send to church in the promised land? How many, what kind of car am I going to have in the promised land? The first question Moses asked is, are you going? 
Because if you're calling me to do that and you're not going, then I'm not going either. That was Moses' calling, not his craving. And so Jesus is literally saying, whoever believes in me and comes to me, I am the bread of life. If you are with Jesus, he is literally saying, I can satisfy all of your cravings and I can release you into your calling. This is true and proper worship. I really believe that this act of worship, I know I I said last week, but I'm telling you right now, if we are going to say that as our family values, we worship together, one of the ways we are not worshiping God as a community, myself included, is we are allowing our callings to become our cravings. And we are moving around and doing different things, trying to get to the thing when Jesus is here and saying, hey, I can satisfy that thirst. I can satisfy that hunger. So the greatest act of worship that we could do as a community right now is let God, Jesus himself, satisfy our cravings and then live out our calling. Not with this insatiable appetite for what we want God to do, but a satisfied spiritual appetite because we have literally taken Jesus in into every fiber of our mind, soul, our thinking. That's why the Bible says, love God with all your strength, your mind, your soul, your heart, everything that makes you a human, love God with that. We can't love God with our heart and then love our career with our mind. Where we love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything that makes you a human, love God with that. And the the Bible suggests that you'll be released from that craving. I know even in preaching it, I've been waking up this morning with these cravings to think to, for things to be different, for God to just stop all this chaos and uh, get people to do this and do that. And God is like, man, I can heal that. You can be completely satisfied because I am the bread of life. I want to pray right now in this moment, that God would, uh, would turn your craving back into a calling. Or if it's not of him, that you'd be able to let it go. But I think for a lot of us out there, there's something about what you're craving that's true, but the enemy wants it to be this desire that competes with God himself. And so I wanna pray in this moment that God would turn your craving back into a calling. Father, uh, there are so many people listening to the sound of my voice that are actually called to do that thing, but it's turning into a craving. This, this thing where they can't feel satisfied unless those things are achieved and more accomplishments are happening and they can point to something cool to say that God is with them, God. But you're, you're literally saying to them, I am the bread of life. I can satisfy that thirst. And you said in your word that whoever comes to you will never be hungry again. Coming to Jesus is not, it, it's, it's, I will never have to crave and worry about those things again. And Lord, I want that. Just like those disciples, I want that bread. And I pray that people listening want that bread too. And this is the true meaning of the table of showbread, a God that can satisfy the cravings and not live in this constant feeling that something is missing from our lives. And so God, give your people this as they come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love y'all so much. Um, This word was for me. I was preaching this to myself, man. It felt so good to preach this, man. I needed this one today. I'm about to watch it again. Matter of fact, you got some time? Turn your Bibles to Exodus. I'm just going to preach it over. No, I'm not going to do that. You can watch it on the playback today. Hey, uh, don't forget to get connected into our community. OaceLA.org forward slash connect. Um, I believe that's the right uh, landing spot. And you can fill out a connect card 
and get involved. And, and don't forget to, to sow something into our church by faith. Um, it is the, the generosity of our church family that gives us the ability to help our community. So thank you for continuing to do that. And if you're new here today, you can jump on that uh, generosity train for the very first time. I love y'all so much. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God. And then uh, I actually technically skipped the altar of incense, but that won't be skipped because that's all about prayer. And we'll have two weeks on prayer and then we'll be done with family uh, values. We worship together, not done with the series, but done with we worship together and we'll jump into it. We grow together and some of the cool things that makes us a community. I love you so much and I will see you soon. <laughs>